The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi, welcome to episode 73 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now, I guess the theme of this episode is regroup. How do we get ourselves back onto on track or back to um, pursuing a goal, working in the direction of goal, particularly in this case, weight loss, when perhaps we've had a success and then a failure, we've drifted back, put that weight back on, that kind of thing. So this this week got a great interview with a friend of mine, um, Mal Clark. And Mal has a an interesting midlife story in his own right, um, having been a, um, a pool player, interested in, in playing poker, um, being work, working in politics, all the P's there. Um, but the point is, it's, it's just a great life, rich experience of that. And it is at this point what he would class as midlife. Within that, he's had his own journey with and battles with weight and weight loss. And he's had a, a, a few years back an attempt which was, resulted in a significant amount of weight loss. Um, and... Then life turned on its head, I guess, is the best way to turn that. And I won't steal the thunder of the interview. we we'll talk about it in there. But the point of it is that life turned on its head and threw everything up in the air and the weight drifted back on. And he ended up back with a significant amount of weight to lose. Now, that is a... Having spoke to a lot of people, that seems to be a very common thing. It certainly happened in my life um, and a lot of people I know. And it's something that can be really challenging, really painful. Um, there is an emotional journey to go through to reconcile with that. And what we can often do is feel like just wrapping in the towel, chucking it in and giving up and kind of re- resorting to <sighs> denial that it's there, distraction, um, coping in other ways to make ourselves feel more valuable um, because at the root of it, we don't necessarily feel happy with ourselves because of it. And it's not a judgment about the weight itself, it's about how we feel. And many people I speak to do experience that. Um, so the interview is great. And hopefully if you if you dive in, um, we explore a number of things. Now, one thing I will say about the recording is we did lose connection, I think, a couple of times in the interview, so I have had to edit. And I'm confident we haven't lost any of the quality or the messages or the key things in there. I think it's a message of hope. Um, what we are doing is joining Mal on his journey, his journey now as he re embarks he's now a few good few months down the line but he's in the middle of that journey so it's about how he's shaping it his own approach to this based on lessons learned uh, based on self-awareness and trying to just push away from the the massive information that's out there the should do's and all the things out there and develop his own approach and i think that's brilliant and really it underlies my own approach as a coach now miles not a client of mine um but very much complements how I tend to approach it with clients in that we try to park all of the massive information out there. Um, We try to just focus on well-researched, robust uh, research that gives us the principles, but then we tailor it. And this is where I want to come on to my thought for the the episode, if you like, around that regroup. And the regroup is about how do we get back on track with a particular goal? And in this case, weight. And it's one of those that can be particularly painful, as I've explained there before. Challenge is that when we're lost in that sense of what's the point? I feel again, it's too much. The effort is too much. I've put it back on. How and we? There's a lot of self-recrimination. There's a lot of I can't go on that journey again. A sense of it's just too much. How do we do that? Now, aside from the fact that what I like to do is approach the the journey that we go on with weight loss in a less of an all or nothing way, because I know a lot of the 
efforts by many of us in the past have been quite extreme, quite radical, and we hold back life for a time and achieve success. But the thing is, it's not life proof. So life comes back in. And I talk about that a lot in, in episodes in the podcast. So firstly, that's one of the first basis of it. How do we make it life proof so that it's sustainable? And so that, and in so doing, we shrink down the effort, if you like, still hard work, still work to do, but we break it down into ways that become less, less of a takeover of our life, less invasive in our cognitive load when we're dealing with everything else. And we try to make it sustainable and build in the habits that do that so that we can stick at it. And the news that, or the good news that comes with that is when we slip off, fall off the track, which inevitably happens because life happens, the, the getting back on isn't such a big thing. It isn't seen as such a big thing because it's getting back onto some small sprout-sized habits, reintroducing routines, learning lessons from the past, etc. So for me, it's about that, but also how do we reframe it? And I like the phrase regroup because if you think about it, there's been a defeat. And I'm using air quotes here for failure. Um, you know, that word brings lots of other things, self-recrimination, what have you. But if we think about it in that sense of regroup, what does, um, I don't know, after a battle, a small um, troop or battalion or whatever, I'm not familiar with <laughs> military terms, what do they do if they still have to push on and make and fight and to, to make ground, to take that, that um, hill or whatever? They have to catch as my Irish cousins would say, catch themselves on. They have to regroup and consider, right, what happened? What did we learn? What can we? What worked? What didn't? What can we take forward? What have we still got? What what resources, what energy, what, what strength have we still got? How do we shape a new plan going forward? And for me, this is something that I feature in my, what I call the midlife reshape audit as part of my prep phase, really, for my coaching and my programs within the membership that is launching, as uh, as you'll hear in the in the. the call to action in the middle of the, the podcast. The point of it is I have an activity in there which is based around reflecting on the present, where you are in the present, the future, where you'd like to be, but also taking time to reflect on the past. And this is what I want to focus on in this particular food for thought, if you like, the regroup aspect of it. Now, if you want any more details about the rest, then you can drop me a line at davidrestlessmidlife.com, pop over to the midliferesheep.com forward slash academy, links are in show notes. Uh, for, for the memberships and coaching, etc. But the regroup past part is a really, really valuable part of the journey because what we have is in that past attempt, we have the potential for lots of recrimination, emotional pain and what have you. And as my friend and mentor, Paul McGee, the sumo guy would say, hippo time is okay. It's okay to wallow. We do that. It's very human, but it's not a place to stay. So we are going to have to go through the emotional process, but at some point we need to go, right, okay, what am I going to do about this? And get sort of more rational and more, more focused on what you really want out of life. And the point of the regroup looking at the past is to say, right, it's very painful. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of opportunity for recrimination. But let's park that. Let's look at, right, what have I learned? Out of it, what actually worked? Because within any plan, and I think this is the case for lots of diets, whilst so many of them are so extreme, there will be things within that, within a particular plan. It might have been even a recipe, if we're going to say. You know, I remember um, there's a particular... Um, over the years, having uh, tried some world where watches those kinds of things, there were always a couple of recipes that you thought, I particularly like that. So what can you bring from the past to fit into your, your new plan? So we look at what didn't work, and we don't try to crowbar that back in. We have an option with what didn't work. We ditch it, and we focus on what did work, and we build a new plan around the, that, or include that in the new plan that's sustainable. Or we look at what didn't work and ask ourselves, why didn't it work? 
Do we need to shrink it down? Do we need to break it down to a smaller um, sprout-sized habit or action or something rather than the bigger effort that was involved in that thing? What did it fail because it was too big and too much? So we look at those things. What didn't work? What did work? And what can I learn from those and bring into the, fu the, for the future plan? So that regroup is about reframing it firstly as, okay, I've had a setback. I've had a defeat. Now's the time to sort myself into a frame of mind where I can look forward and look at the plan and look at what you've learned in a different light, not in the pain and the emotion and the judgment, but in a way that goes, right, okay, I did well, what worked? What unseated me? What did what knocked me off track? What did, can I particularly take forward? What didn't work? What was the, the seeds of that being thrown off track? And how can I shape, in, my, in the case that I approach, how can I shape the actions that I take towards the goal that I want and shape the environment, the well-being environment towards that. So there's my food for thought today. Hope you enjoyed the interview and uh, I'll catch you on the other side. Take care. Well, hi, Malcolm. I've been uh, looking forward to having a, having this conversation with you on the podcast. Um, we've been um, well, we've been friends for a few years and obviously exchanged a lot of messages, particularly over the last few months as well, because you have your own podcast as well, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into. Um, but do you want to just um, say hi to the audience and let us know a bit about yourself and then we'll dive into the conversation? Brilliant. Uh, well, hello, everyone. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, Dave and I have been friends for well over 10 years. Um, so I probably didn't realise it's quite that long, Dave, but I'll just break that to you gently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so my background is um, been into wellbeing for a long time, um, always been aware, right since I was at university, you know, the, uh, coming through it, realising, you know, what good days look like, what bad days look like, and realising that want more of more good days and bad days if possible in terms of getting work, having to do certain things and trying to build a life that I wanted. So that was the idea. In terms of actual work itself, um, did a little bit of everything until I eventually got into politics, which everyone knows is quite a difficult, intense area of work to be in. Um, I was an elected councillor for a while. I worked for a member of parliament, so I was doing casework. So that's obviously quite intense. People come to you with lots of very serious problems and you know, you see it from all sides. It's stressful as a job and it's also stressful to take on board what people are going through as well. Um, so now I work in consultancy and also as a, as a kind of a hobby, but also just trying to make my life the best it can be. I'm quite involved in wellbeing and I'm trying to get fit and lose some weight because during lockdown, I was already a big lad, but uh, during lockdown uh, got even bigger. So I'm trying to right that wrong. Um, so there's all sorts going on it's a constant struggle I'm sure everyone who listens in knows that it's an ongoing thing you never quite get to the end but I'm on my journey and you know anything I can share that would be helpful to other people I'm happy to do it yeah yeah cool and I, I like I mean you use the phrase the journey and I, I guess I think that's that's how I think of it is that um, you never get to the destination Although there's milestones along the way and hopefully some nice scenery and there's a bit of rain and a bit of well, icy roads from time to time. But it's about learning to sort of, I guess, enjoy that journey and make the tweaks and the changes and keep on top of things, I guess, isn't it? So, yeah. And what well, do you want to before and we dive in a little bit, I guess, but before we do, um, you've launched a podcast um, and and we've had conversations around that, but around your midlife story, because um, I mean, if you want to, you know, I know men can can share their age a lot more comfortably, allegedly, than women. But uh, if you can let the audience know your age and, and where you're at in terms of that midlife story, because it's it's interesting where you're at and what how it's led to the podcast. 
Yeah, so I'm 41. Um, it seems to have just happened quickly somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but I arrived at I'm at 41. Uh, don't have any children, not married, so I'm a single guy. Um, and obviously that, I think, leads to challenges in terms of, you know, always searching for life purpose, trying to find, you know, because that purpose can be almost given to you if you've got those things going on. And you have to do certain things, whereas I kind of live on my own and sort of unless I do something. I can be very quiet for long periods of time. Um, in terms of my my sort of midlife journey, I think that frames it in, in a big way, um, and also trying to get fitter as well because you know health wise, I'm I'm, I'm diabetic, so that's obviously you know important in terms of medical care and making sure that I stay on top of that because admittedly I probably haven't been great at that in the past. Um, so that's a big a motivating factor in, a, in both out of necessity and fear in terms of what, what it could mean if I don't do it. Um, so that's kind of my where I'm at right now. Um, in term, but I think as well, just as I sort of work in consultancy and try and just, I guess for me, it's sort of as the years pass and as, you know, we realise that, you know, I think when you're younger, you kind of think, you know, well, I'm 25, you know, I'll, I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, it'll just kind of happen. And then, you know, the years tick by anything, unless you actually do something and change something, it, it'll just stay the same. And I think a lot of people I talk to, kids at work, who I want to get somewhere, like I don't sort of necessarily coach them as such, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's not just going to change one day. Like you're not just going to suddenly blossom into this thing you want to be. You've got to take actions to get there and think about it and plan it. And I'm a lot better at that now. So, so that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, isn't it? So, you know, that, 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 um, the naivety and in a sense of, of youth in that you see life, a lot of life ahead, touch wood, you know, you know, <laughs> we're touching wood very quickly. You see a lot of life ahead of you and, you know, you can be driven in a particular pursuit, whether it's a career or something like that, I guess. But um, there is that feeling. And I think that's what's distinctive for potential, you know, for that so-called midlife state of mind. And, it, you know, I don't often tie, I don't always tag it to an age. It is that state of mind where you suddenly realise, hang on a minute, time is passing by, <laughs> you know, and it's it's slipping by. And you're right, nothing's going to change unless I do do something. So, so in that, because you said you framed you framed it around obviously um, having to find. You, you said something around having to find purpose and meaning in that. Uh, whereas in other circumstances, say with a family, etc., you might already have that purpose through that. Do you want to just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I think first of all, just to go back on what you just said, there's hope in terms of flipping it over because quite often when I was younger, I was like, I've got to do things really quick. Like I've got, yeah. I've got to become like director or whatever now because yeah. it'll be like it won't feel the same. But I kind of still feel the same. So the things I'm saying to people that at work, if I ever have these conversations with them, is like they're sort of like 26. A few of them are like, oh, you know, I haven't been promoted this six month period. I've got to leave because mm-hmm. I'll never ever get there. It's like, yeah, it'll still feel good. Like when I got elected to the council, I was 37. Now if you'd asked me when I was 27. Or you're going to wait 10 years to get there. I would have said, oh, you're joking, aren't you? I'll pass, I'll pass it by then. But it still felt good when I got there. So, like, realising that you do have some time, touch wood again, <laughs> is, is you know, that's that's quite a, should give people hope as well because it's, you know, you're not in it. You have to do stuff, but you shouldn't feel like you're in, like, a sort of tiny race. Yes. But, like, there's a balance, isn't there, between not waiting too long 
and thinking this is going to happen, but also realizing that whenever you achieve something, it'll feel good if it's going to feel good, regardless of, of, of your age. But um, just going back to your point on, on purpose and stuff, I think in my personal situation, because I don't know if this translates to everybody, but um, my I'm always fascinated by how routines change and how we can all be doing certain things, seeing certain people going to certain places, certain pubs, certain teams or sports or whatever. And then gradually over time that evolves. You know, if people, you lose touch with some people, you bring new friends on board, new partners, whatever. Um, and, and your routines change. But what I found is that because my life's quite quiet, I work from home, which I didn't say at the start, probably should have done. Um, so I'm a remote worker full time. I go monthly down to London to the company I work for. Apart from that, I'm pretty much just chilling out at home on my own. We're working away. And I have to make an effort to, to, to find, I think, purpose. And what I find is that as, because I'm into well-being and I'm into like planning and I'm into sort of searching, I search around for things like new ideas, new hobbies, new things to do. But that, that in itself can almost be a hobby for me. Whereas my search, so I never actually delve into something and commit to it and and do it and enjoy it, build on it. So like, for example, the diet, I know everything in terms of the hows to do it. But I had loads of occasions where I was sitting with a McDonald's reading about how to lose weight. You know, so I had to like, it's taken that action, I think. For me personally, I have to force myself to, to, to actually do it because I can plan till kingdom come and I'm really good at that. But actually the bit that I struggle with is when you say, right, day one, day two, day three, day four. Yeah. I've spent years, I've spent years at day one or day zero and never got started. So that to me, I have to push myself in that respect to actually take on new things. And, and just finally, because I appreciate I'm talking for a while here, um, yeah. is that I plan for example, just, just as a silly thing, I thought oh, I'm going to get a season ticket for the local football team, just grassroots football. I planned that last year and I still didn't get one. And I'm still sitting here now at the start, needed to start this season thinking I've got to sort that season ticket out and start going to watch football again. And it just never happened. And that to me, I've got to kind of push myself to take action. I could well sit here next year thinking, I'm going to go and watch that football, you know, just as a tiny example, but it translates into all areas of life if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how little examples like that can sort of highlight potential, like highlight the a propensity to do because I'm totally I, I totally resonate with with that in that I love the planning I'm a very process driven person I think I think that's you know um that's just been something I've come to appreciate in myself you know a former police officer you're kind of thrust into different things and you do you deal with it but as I've left that and I've come to develop myself I know that processes and planning you know it's something that's really important to me in order to move forward but the problem is it's the moving forward bit so I get that because it's, it's I don't know how do you find it I find there's a certain level of comfort in that planning processing and not knowing whether it's you're not testing it means that it hasn't failed or anything. And this is just speaking from me rather than, you know, yourself, but I can see you're nodding. So, um, but like the, the, I'm good at it and it's comfortable. So I don't know. Is there any thoughts from, from yourself on that? No, I, I totally get that. Um, not not all, all the way through that because yeah, I mean, we've all, we all suffer failures, setbacks, you know, and one of the things that I look at all the time and it's probably more fun than Facebook. So I don't follow anyone on Facebook at all. I'm completely, remove myself from it because I found it just during Brexit I think I just got absolutely done in with all the craziness and just done so my feed doesn't exist I go in and I use Messenger and that's about it but the, the social media I am on is LinkedIn 
Now, if you're on LinkedIn, and I've obviously networked hard in terms of people who share the industry with me, and probably got about 800 to 1,000, by no means a huge list, but quite a few. And everyone on LinkedIn, if, you, if people probably know this when they're listening, as everyone looks like they're doing so well, and yeah. they're all starting new great jobs and taking all this responsibility, being selected for all these great things. Um, and, you know, you can almost sit there thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm the only one not achieving anything here. Um, and I think that's where, you know, like I say, you've, you've got to test yourself. You've got to put yourself out there and do. Because I honestly, Dave, I, I realised a while back that I enjoy thinking about doing things more than actually doing them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a bit of a trap because... I wouldn't like to say how many years that I could say that I did that for, but quite a few. And I, but again, almost like because we're well full of contradictions. If I listed things that I've done, like little things I've tried, you'd be like, well, you've done loads. You've been involved in all sorts of things. And I think that's mainly because I've had a lot of time to do stuff. But I will sit and search, well, I don't know how many YouTube videos I watch a day on all sorts of things, but I'm constantly hunting around for something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I, I'm, I'm always searching. It reminds me of the, the, the Matrix, you know, like Neo, he's searching something, <laughs> he doesn't know what it is. I'm not saying I'm the one or anything, but uh, I think it's there's, there's a bit of that in all of us where we, we all, like say, for example, if we if we all found something that was going to be really hard, but it would definitely work, the logic says that we should all just jump at it straight away, but the reality is we would wait. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think this is something that's, that can resonate probably with many of us that when we're in that position of I want to do something, I want to achieve, um, we can, I'm very much like you, I, I can overthink things and plan. And I think there's, the, look, the strengths in everything, isn't it? I, I often think that weaknesses are overused strengths. So my strengths, I can overdo, <laughs> I can really overdo. Um, but there's a benefit in thinking and planning through, but at some point moving forward. And it's the it's the inertia, it's breaking through the inertia that's the challenge. And I think self-awareness, as, as you've described, and this is where I wanted to pick up on the podcast as well, your your podcast, which you can tell us all about, is it's, it's the journey through that self-awareness, building that and being honest about it. Because the key thing is, if if we can get honest about that, then we can start to look at, well, how can I move forward? Because I'll never be somebody who will think of something and then just do it. Unless it's buy something on Amazon, I can do that every day. I mean, Leslie takes the mick out of me for oh, what's Amazon bringing you today. But the point is, when it comes to this side, it, it takes a bit more conscious process and planning. But I think it starts with awareness and that to, to break that inertia. So that if you're talking about the things that you, you've, you've you were embarking on the minute the podcast um and the the health efforts and uh, are you still you're working on the forex tra- um learning about forex so those things take a step push you a step you have to step forward don't you so do you understand i guess i've kind of rambled a little bit there but tell us a little bit about the podcast and what that means to you and how that that is because for me there's a lot of honesty come out of that and i can see the development over the, the episodes of your, your own self-awareness, but your thinking um, through the talking almost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the podcast called Let's Take a Moment. Yeah. Um, so if you search for that, my name, it comes, it comes straight up. I used an old photograph I took of, for some reason, a, a, a fried breakfast. I don't know why. There's no really deep metaphorical reason there, but if you see the breakfast, that's the one. Um, and basically that, it was just because I always enjoy... I suppose the term is contemplating the enable, thinking about things. I'm game for anything that gets rid of the kind of the things that stress you out. So when, you know, for example, I remember the worst one that I worried about going back over 20 years ago was my driving test. 
And I just spent five or six weeks forgetting the fact that if I failed it, I could have took it again. You know, at the age of 17, I just thought, I want, I want my driving license. I want to be able to drive. And I, and I couldn't see past that date. So they were going on, I think I think I had my, my GCSEs or maybe mock A-levels or something. Um, forget which year I was in. But anyway, I had that coming up. I couldn't, didn't worry about that. I just had this one thing that I just couldn't get past. So anything that I can kind of just go out and relax, I, I enjoy doing it. And I find with the podcast, I just get to think about it. It forces me to take a topic and then just go with it. I enjoy speaking. It's nice to think that people find it, listen to it, and maybe enjoy it. I don't get many, you know, listeners but that's fine I just for whoever's doing it I get as much out of doing it and I've got my little favourite wouldn't necessarily recommend this you know make sure you always keep safe but I've got my little places that I drive to in the countryside I just chill you know keep the doors locked etc you know look after yourself but and I just basically chat and it's a nice break away from whatever because I always think something always occupies your mind and if you're not careful you can be trapped into like work and, I, and one of my things I always say is and it's, it's a, sounds a bit cliche and a bit weird but tree hoggerish but I mean it in a sort of a, a stress-free way which is like if you notice that if you're ever out in the countryside and you notice the trees and you can hear them it means that you're able to listen if you're not able to hear that or if, if, there's, if your mind's elsewhere it's because you're worried about something so if, if you're walking along and you can appreciate your surroundings, that's basically it, that you're okay. And that's how I force myself to do that. To, because I think, why not? You know, that it's just a fun time. So I, one of the problems I have with the podcast now is I've done so many episodes, I think about maybe 30 or something now, um, is I'm kind of finding that topics repeat themselves because everyone's got their pet things that they keep going back to. Mm. Um, but I, I do enjoy doing it. So if anyone checks it out and enjoys it that's brilliant but uh it's it's again there's so many things in, in the world for me that we can especially coming from a political background it's all the big stuff isn't it the, the really sort of contentious things and you can argue forever about it and i like to do something completely different so the reason we, we kind of met was because i used to use the, the the music pod that we met at and i used to use the music uh community that I was, we were part of for a while because that got me out of the other bit that got me away from the bits that used to stress me out. So I'm always looking for ways of stepping back and enjoying something. And that's the thing with, with like for Forex and I've started to play pool again, um, is just to get me back to things that I like because otherwise your worries will find a way of creeping in. Mm. And that's what I try to worry. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I think that's probably something a lot of us can resonate with in life general. But I think over the last few years with, I mean, the lockdowns and restrictions affected people in different ways, but I think many, we we perhaps retreated into ourselves a little bit more, um, particularly if you're prone to. I'm very much an introvert um, and very much live in my head if, if I'm not, if somebody doesn't jar me out of it from time to time. And it can become, again, a problem if it's overdone. And, and I've spoken to lots of people over the last well, last year or so now since sort of doing some more in-person uh, sessions and what have you. And that seems to be very clear that it's reclaiming some of the things that perhaps they used to do um, because you fall into thinking habits and new habits, don't you? And if they're a little bit easier, um, even though they might not be as good for us, then they can tend to stick. So I, I like that idea of trying to reclaim things and rediscover. And th this is where over the over the um, episode of the podcast, I mean, your honesty about um, your progress and your journey and your thinking is really refreshing as well. Um, and the fact that you are seeking these things. And I often think, and this is a question I was wanting to ask you, actually, 
I'm a big believer in reflective practice, you know, thinking and trying to get it out of your head because if it's just rattling around your head, you don't hear it with your ears, you don't see it with your eyes if you're writing it down. So reflective practice could be anything just jotting it down, talking to somebody about something, you know, doing a proper journal type of thing or doing what it sounds like you're doing, which is obviously sharing it across the podcast, but you're articulating it outside of your head. I don't know. Have you, do you just out of curiosity, do you find that that's been a process? Has there been any benefit to the process of, for that? doing the podcast i know there's other reasons you're doing it but has that been anything yeah i think so i mean i enjoy you know um putting working through it definitely um it's almost cathartic in a way i think to sort of verbalize it and it's it's something that you know for example sometimes i record the episode like two or three times if i if i feel like the first go around is a bit rambly and a bit non and obviously you know when it's not scripted either I, I have a very broad idea of what I want to say and and then I just sort of go with it and just see where I end up after 20 minutes or so and occasionally I finish it and think well I've ended up in a place here that is or, or I start seeing something that maybe I feel is a bit too personal or something like that so I'm delighted to announce the imminent launch of the Midlife Reshape Academy. This is a low time and cost commitment membership option for those of you who want to embark on your own midlife reshape with the support of a program, supporting resources and courses, Q&A support from me, and the chance to be part of the Restless Midlife community of like-minded people sharing similar goals and ambitions. So if you're feeling like your health has drifted, you're not in the shape you want to be, and want to get back to feeling more comfortable in your own skin, then hop over to midlifereshape.com forward slash academy to find out more and join the pre-launch waitlist where you'll be kept up to date with launch details, what's in store and to take advantage of founder member discounts. That's midlifereshape.com forward slash academy. You're also focusing on your health and what have you. So I guess before we dive into that, what 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 do you what, what are some of the goals that you have or what, what do you see the I often talk about the direction of travel for life, you know. There's a lot that we can't control, which is usually in the which is in the future, you know, that that the unknowns. But have you got are you starting to shape or have you got an idea of where you're wanting to go? And then how yeah. do they fit into that, I guess? Yeah, um I think I've been I mean, the pool's a great example as a starting point because when I was younger I'm talking about like 18 year old to 21 I, right, I played pool from when I was literally 18 months old that was one of those prodigies when I was a kid and I was very very good so when I played I played with a bit of flair a bit of swagger and, and people used to like like watch me play so I like people saying you know being impressed by me on that so as I grew up and I got started playing when I was about 18 I went to university and I was very much into the game and I ended up being on the professional tour for a little while and um was ranked in the top 50 for a little while in the country. was never quite good enough to compete against the very, very best. And that's why I dropped off in the end, because it was kind of, you're paying money, big money to play, just to say, oh, I'm a pro pool player. When actually, when I dropped one of the big guns, I was going down, you know, pretty much every time. Had a couple of big good wins against, you know, people you might recognise household names and stuff, but ultimately I didn't quite have it. But I'm still above average. But I stopped playing. And the sad thing is, is now, like, I would think, well, I'm 41, so I'm never going to like be a pro. So do I do I really want to play? And like, part of the change is to say, well, actually, I just enjoy it. So I'm trying now, and it's hard because I used to think of myself, I literally thought I was the best. I wasn't, but I, I had this hugely, probably every other area of my life was like down here. But this pool, I had a, a massively inflated opinion of how good I was. So that was kind of my way of finding. So we've all got something that we value, we think is good about ourselves. That was mine. Mm. And, and, 
we just going back to playing, just being one of the guys or one of the guys and girls, whoever's in the team, um, and just playing because I want to play and accepting the people are better than me is actually quite tough um, in that particular instance. So that's one of my goals is to just enjoy it, just enjoy that in that particular area. Whereas instead of thinking, instead of using it as a way of like validation on me as a person, because I'm not ever going to be what, Everyone said I would, you know, oh, you're going to be one of the best ever, you're going to win world championships, you're going to do this and that. And I heard that so often and I liked it. And then gradually it wasn't, I didn't quite have the time or the, you know, mm-hmm. the, probably the ability to be fair to do it. And as I got a bit older, it was now I'm into that. I remember there's a really funny thing, you go about the midlife thing, I'll tell this quick anecdote, is I was playing pool on it just, just for a while. It was about a few years ago because I haven't played very often. And somebody went, is that Mark Clark? And because so, obviously changed a bit, got a bit more grey hair, a bit bigger. And, and this other lad went, yeah, yeah, it's a smile, yeah. And I didn't really, I pretended I didn't hear, I just carried on playing. And this guy went, he was a good player in his day. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm that age. I've reached that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, how to bring you down, he's a good player in his day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? I thought I was, and it was just that moment where I thought, I thought I was, Still all right, but maybe you're right. Yeah, but I don't let that get me down. But it was just I took yeah. it in a way it was intended. I took it humorously. But yeah, goals. I think just to find things that I want to do, and not to think that it's too late. Because I had a period of time. I think lockdown didn't help either. Where I felt like right, I just need to make some money and retire gracefully ASAP. Um, ridiculous, really. I'm much more about now living for the day, and if anything. Maybe I need to think more about future planning a bit more. But at the minute, I've kind of rebalanced where I'm sort of just enjoying the routine as it is and not thinking too deeply about, you know, 10, 20 years down the line and just trying to enjoy every day as much as I can. I mean, one of the challenges is my, and going on to the health that you said, is my enjoyment used to be around eating really bad food. Um, And now it's like, I always know how far till my next meal, but I'm keeping down to sensible areas and getting there very slowly over a long way to go but that's a challenge um but it, it almost gives me a little bit of structure because it was just a free-for-all for a while and mm. as big as I was or am um that was me with some restraint because I'm one of these people that could literally eat all day and not mm. stop and the capacity is just you know I dread to think how big I could have got it could have literally been well above 30 stone because I just you know I would eat a lot at mealtime times and gain plenty of weight but actually consciously stopped in between whereas I probably could have just kept going mm. yeah it's interesting there's a couple of things before we dive into the health side is is you talk about that I, I see it as a tension but like an inevitable tension between trying to sort of enjoy and make the most and be present of the here and now do the things we enjoy you know you've got to do stuff that you don't potentially but it leads it maintains your life or it moves you in the direction that tension with what you want to achieve in the future. And I think you're right. If you, if you, if it's pulled one way or the other too much for too long, your life gets totally out of balance. You know, you, 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 you could end up even achieving a particular future goal if you're focused on the future, but because you're so practiced at focusing on the future, you're not in the present when you achieve that your head's still in the future for the next goal or the next thing, or you can't even appreciate it there or the vice versa. You saw in the moment that we don't give thought to that, those future things. And I think that's, that's a very human tension, isn't it? And and I guess, it's the pull between the two. And, and this is one of the things, I guess, with when you talk about life, work-life balance, that, that idea, um, that phrase I know is, means a lot of different things and is a bit cliched, but 
I often try to draw the distinction between you're not trying to, you know, work-life balance or what balance you want to do. You're not trying to walk a tightrope where you're balancing, you know, and it's one step and you're off and it's crash. You're more like that aircraft that's flying from here to, say, Australia um, and trying to just track a course, but you're off course more than you're on course, but somehow you still get there. And I think that awareness that you talk about is where is what brings you back. It's kind of like, okay, maybe my head's a bit too much in the future here, or maybe I need, and, and sort of jiggling as you go along, you know? Yeah, readjusting and, and navigating your way through it, which is where the work is, isn't it? I think that's the challenge. Um, so in terms of it, for, for the health side, um, I mean, I don't know how much you want to sort of go into, but what, what are you, you talked about the, the you use the meals as a structure and routine, which I think is a, that, that makes a lot of sense, particularly, I think even over the COVID, that a lot of rituals and routines and structures just went out the window, didn't it? So what, how are you how are you approaching that? Because obviously it's an important goal to yourself. There is a future to it, but there's also the here and now. Yeah, I mean, I think that I I always say that a season life with food. That's my default. Right. So like you know, if there's something to celebrate, then let's get takeaway. If there's something to commiserate, let's get takeaway. If there's something nice on TV, let's get some chocolates and enjoy it. You know, so it's kind of my default, and it was probably, you know, no disrespect to my parents, the way I was brought up, you know, the working class background, they came from a generation where there wasn't always abundance. So you treat people by giving them more. So there was a, this kind of a cultural shift where, you know, the, the, the more sort of socio economics. So for example, when I first heard that there's like a dietary train of thought, which you'll be aware of, that says you should never finish your meal. I don't know if I agree with that, but leave something on your plate so it's, you know, that type of thing. And I remember thinking that's that's that wouldn't have gone down well in my house because be like, like yeah. maybe you should finish it. And that's kind of the, the sort of the, the starting point for me. So yeah, I mean, basically I just for me it's it's bread. I'm an absolute bread monster. I can just go all day. And and you know, to, you can almost if you just gave me that, I'd I'd be fine. You know, I wouldn't think, oh, I'm missing me, you know, whatever else. So for me, it's about had to really sit down and work out because the doctor was, I went in, I got weighed, and it was just that moment where, you know, when you go in, and I just thought, oh, man, I've got to do something about this. And the number was higher than I expected anyway. And the nurse was like, you've got to you've got to get this sorted out. You've got to start making progress. And actually, four years ago, on June the 1st, um, in 2018, I just it just clicked one day, and I said, right, I've had enough, I'm doing it. And I just started to work through a combination of sugar testing, which is lucky for me. I say lucky for me, I'm diabetic, but that I have to test my sugar four times a day and I get a number. Um, one bore people with medics, we can look it up. It has to be in a certain range, otherwise, there's bad news. So basically, the, the, if your sugar's too high, it's poisonous. If it's too low, you've got a problem. Um, so you've got to keep it in an optimal range. And one thing I hate is testing myself and that this will happen um, because for everyone else, when you eat something, your body creates insulin, regulates the carbs that you take, the sugars. Mine doesn't. So that's okay. that's what being diabetic is. And if I have, like, say, for example, you rock up at my house and I've brought you a dairy milk, I say, champion, mate, I have it. When I get to my next test, it's high. It's mm. up by, instead of being six, it'll be nine or 10 or even 11 or 12. Now, I hate that. It like really bugs me when it's high. So like that keeps me right. So for example, now when I came back from work, I used to finish it too when I was a counselor. Not being a counselor, I had an extra job <laughs> from that trap. Um of, and I used to get home at about 2:30 and I would eat. I would have sandwiches, crisps, whatever I fancied, it would it would go in. And um now if I'm 
I'm, I'm actually okay because I've been doing it for about six or seven weeks now, so I'm actually okay now. But if I had this feeling, I'd be thinking, there's only two and a half hours to go, but I don't want a bad week. So it keeps us right. So you've got to find something that keeps you keeps you honest. Now, for some people, that's doing testing the weight, for getting weight. Um, I personally don't do that because until I get, I'm the type of psyche that until I get down to my target or near it, even if I lost five or six stone, I'm still going to be like, still got another stone to go, which isn't a great mindset, but I, I know myself and I accept that that's there. Um, and I know that when I go in in September to get weighed, I will have lost, I have lost some, but I know I'm still going to be probably, probably roughly as close as when I actually started in 2018 because I gained a bit more. Um, and which is awful then okay I think I lost about four stone in, in 2018 did really well and I probably gained about six up until I started again so that was a real nightmare just just long period of time where I just did it all wrong mm. um so now the, the mindset is until I get back to where I was as far as, as I was with the minus four I'm not interested in what what size is I've just got to get back there so I'm, I'm enjoying the process but I almost it's quite empowering I actually don't care at the minute how big I am it's just a case of keeping going I've just got to stick I realised I looked at it and I said right I've got to stick this out for six months minimum I'm delighted to announce the imminent launch of the Midlife Reshape Academy. This is a low time and cost commitment membership option for those of you who want to embark on your own midlife reshape with the support of a program, supporting resources and courses, Q&A support from me, and the chance to be part of the Restless Midlife community of like-minded people sharing similar goals and ambitions. So if you're feeling like your health has drifted, you're not in the shape you want to be, and want to get back to feeling more comfortable in your own skin, then hop over to midlifereshape.com forward slash academy to find out more and join the pre-launch waitlist where you'll be kept up to date with launch details, what's in store and to take advantage of founder member discounts. That's midlifereshape.com forward slash academy. I guess the question is about your health, the health goals and the journey that you're on with that. And and um, one, one question is, because you can tell us that obviously the background to it and, and previous attempt, et cetera. But one of the things that um, I'm interested in is what, what changed or what's led you to embark on this? What was a turning point this time round? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. What were those, the factors of major change? Because we, we've talked about how much we often spend a lot of time planning and preparing, but it's that step over the line into doing something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the first time I started was June the 1st, 2018, and I did really well. So I knew I could do it. Um, it slid, you know, relapsed fully, which wasn't good. But um, the, what changed this time was I got to my birthday, which is 25th of May. And like you say, I'd been planning my next attempt, my resurrection comeback. So I was thinking, right, got to do it. And I realised that June the 1st, I just, for some reason, it just clicked. I just thought, right, that's, that's it. I'm starting again on the same day because I know I can do it. I've proven it before. I almost found it easier because it was almost like I didn't need to try as hard because I knew I could do it. So I just had to get, I just had to do it. Um, and it just sort of happened and I just started to make the changes and sacrifices. And, and I already knew that the first three days were going to be really bad because the body just really says, no, we're not, we don't like this at all. And, and, and truly like almost to the point where I was nearly in tears about, you know, how hard I, I remember saying to my mom, like, and she's like, oh, you're doing really well. Like you've just made, made a start. And I'm like, look, if it's this hard, like I, I can't, I don't think I can do it. 
And I just and I remember thinking, I'm going to do it, but God, it's hard, and I really hope it doesn't stay this hard. Thankfully, it does get a little bit easier. You do get used to it, and you know, it sounds a bit preachy when I say that. And when I remember people like me hearing people say that before and thinking, oh, yeah, whatever. You always got the skinny guy, you know, oh, I lost 20 stone. And you think, yeah, God, OK. And I always think like and it's that classic cliche, if I can do it, anyone can do it. But genuinely, I did like everything wrong for 15, 17 years. So, you know, it, and it does feel good to do it better. And the best thing is, you know, I eat for the last time about 6 p.m., and I wake up in the morning and I haven't eaten since. And it just feels so much better. Just, just, well, just, I feel when you wake up, that you're infinitely better. And that's what keeps me going in the evening. I think, I know I feel brilliant in the morning. And again, it sounds a bit evangelistic, but it works. So yeah, the, part of it was, the, the, the reasons was frustration, wanting to change. The, the actual reasons about being big, appearance, self-confidence, just everything like that was, really just had enough of feeling the way I was feeling. Health-wise with the diabetes, you know, the, I knew I had to make changes. I've got some pretty grim consequences coming. Um, and I think almost frustration with myself that I haven't done it already um, and just real... I don't know where it's come from because I, I, I think the, the, the hardest time for anyone, like, and I'm sure you know this for your clients, Dave, anyone who's never done it before, it's very difficult to tell them they can do it. But if they've ever lost anything, and I mean anything, then at least they've done it. So the hardest time, the first time around in 2018, when I was literally on my head on the sofa, like me crying because I was so hungry. And it was just that, for some reason, that pure resilience to just keep going. That taught me that I could do it. So this time around, it's been a lot easier. So Yeah. Yeah. So there's loads there. Um, just, just to, in terms of the two times, because I, I think this is a this, this is a, a theme, and I've experienced it myself, um, and not just in weight loss, but, but in in lots of other areas where you think, oh, come on, you're back where you you know you're back in this position, or or perhaps a little bit worse, and that could be financial, it could be weight, etc. And it's the it, it, did, did you go through a process, uh, 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 or how did you reconcile that the emotional side, maybe the feelings that you had about you know, I did it once and then let it go and I'm back. Because this is quite a common theme. And I think it's how you rest, wrestle or work your way through that to get to a point to actually say, well, I'm going to do it again type of thing. I don't know if that makes sense as a question, but that's it's that area there that I think is really, it gets a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I turned a negative into a positive in some ways because in 2018, I'd, I was in a, a steady relationship at the time I was a I'm a qualified football coach. I had a team. I was managing a team with someone else, one of my best mates, and we were having a blast there. And um, I was doing the photography. I just started doing that. And me and you were working on that. Um, and everything seemed different. It was, you know, I wasn't working full-time because I was a counsellor. I had a part-time job. I had all these new horizons opening up to me. Um, and being a, getting elected to the council, I'd failed in 2013. So it was like, achievement of a big goal and I was enjoying being on there. It's only a four-year term and I did end up unfortunately losing my seat. But at the time I had three years stretched out and everything just everything just seemed to line up where lots of good things were going on in my life. And I thought, you know, it was quite easy in some ways to make the effort because I didn't have anything pushing us back or depressing us. Because again, I use food like everyone else as a medicine. Like I use it for everything. And <laughs> it was just so that that was probably what helped me in, in that respect. This time, um I didn't have any of those things. 
So the relationship ended, the um, football had long gone, you know, I was no longer a counsellor. All I had was, I'm working from home and I'm just at home. And, I, and it's like a bit boring, but I thought, hang on, I can, that means I've got no, if I can do it now, when things are just say worse than they were, but like different, mm-hmm. um, then I've got a good chance. I don't have to worry about, because one of the problems that you have is, if you're going out, if you, you know, if I was still going to the county council's canteen, you used to have some lovely food in there. Well, I don't have to worry about that now because I'm not going there. So I can just eat at home. I've got the structure. I've got time. And I thought, you know what? There's nothing stopping me doing it this time. And I can do it. And I can stick to it. Um, the challenge comes when I visit London once a month and I have to, and I end up taking food with me in the heavy bag. And I'm going to pull that along. And I'm slowly getting fitter, but I've got a long way to go. Um, but it's like, I realised that the way my life was structured, I, it was actually giving me the best chance that I had for a while to actually do it. And that proved to be that's helped me so far. So, for example, today I just work to my each meal, and 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 I don't have to worry about you know, because even for example, when you can start making your meals, I usually start about five, quarter past five. If I was commuting from somewhere, I'd be driving home then, and I'd have to wait longer. So it, I was again, I was just very. I just looked at everything and thought, you know what? There's no excuses here. I can do it, and haven't done it before. Um, and if you can, st- and the good news is, as you know, if you can stick it out for two or three weeks, you start to see the difference. And for those people listening who are maybe on the bigger side like me, you see those results even quicker because any change in terms of losing the water weight initially, you actually get a quick boost and you start to see it in your face and you start to feel better. You're not necessarily happy because there's a long way to go, but you start to see something and that keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how you've reframed that as well because I think I think this uh, this is where you know it's it's often I often have the phrase it's not about the diet, and I don't want that to conjure Lance Armstrong and uh, his bike and whatever. But it's 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 not about the diet per se. It's about how we get our head in the into the right place, and that's that's easier to say than to actually do. But reframing the po- the things are positive, and I think that's a really powerful um, thing to do. To, to sort of reframe that because you had the architecture, I guess the life was going well. And I, and I guess that's a lot of people can relate to that as well. You know, if you've done it before, what was it about that time? And sometimes there were certain things that you could do that you can bring forward and apply, but sometimes it may just have been that, like you say, that the, the, the stars aligned or whatever, it was just the right time. And when things change, you suddenly throw them back into a different set and I think you're right if you can kind of make it more life proof now yes you've got opportunities but you're also thinking right, I can do it now it can probably you know I can do it anytime type of thing I think that's a good approach because it is the long game isn't it for not not just the weight loss but then maintaining it afterwards as well you know how how you do that is a lot through those rituals and routines and structures I mean as well I think I've, I've said it but not necessarily directly that I started on the same day this year as I did on 2018 Right, right. So I've, the only slight difference is that I've started two stone heavier, which is, you know, it is what it is. So in, in a way, even though you shouldn't feel like this, I feel like I'm two stone behind. So I'm looking, yeah. remembering that, I remember I had a photograph taken of myself when I, it was just the team line up, the classic football p- picture. And I was one of the coaches who had a tracksuit top on. And for me, I actually looked quite slim because I'd had a very quick uh, drop from where I was and I was kind of at a weight that was like very heavy but wasn't like super big it was the point where two stone off makes a big difference it was one of, I think you get to around about 20 stone-ish and if you lose a couple of stone then it makes a big difference 
And it, it's above that that you started gaining a lot, like a really big size, and that you need to kind of be careful. But um, wherever you're at, I think if you ever see pictures of people that are around 20, then 18, then 16, you do start to see some massive changes. Mm. Um, so I'd had that kind of big change at that size. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, after that was after like maybe five or six weeks of doing it, maybe seven or eight weeks. So I'm thinking now, right, that eight weeks, I'm getting that again. You know, I'm gonna, that's where I'm at. And, and that's got me out of thinking about like the classic thing of, oh, in a week, I need to lose a stone in a week. It's never going to happen. I've got no idea what I'm losing. I just know that I get what's called a HbA1c, which is a 12-week blood average mean. Mm. Now, my was high because I was eating like an idiot. And the nurse is like, you've got to do it. I said, look, I want to be booked in for September because that's coming down. And there's no point coming in before that because it's a 12-week reading. So if they brought us in at the end of July, I would have had like eight bad weeks, four good weeks. Mm. So I'm going in in September, and that's my kind of not so much a way to that reading I'm after to show them that I'm doing doing it right because they'll there's no way of hiding that if you have a right. bad week it'll show right. so that, that has to be right and that's keeping me right on every meal so I would never say diabetes is a good thing because it's clearly something that you don't want but I'm trying to use that as a right. way of keeping my head right because I, I mean I genuinely admire anybody who can do it when they don't necessarily have to in terms of having a real serious medical reason why you've got to do it because if I didn't have to to particularly not eat as much sugar as everyone else I think I find it a lot harder the reality for me is that I have a medical condition that you know right. everything I eat that's high sugar is really not advisable right. so I've found ways to sort of I'm trying to find something that, that I'm getting stuff I like and I can stick to it I'm not going to get down to like 12 stone 11 stone it's not going to happen but if I can get down to like 14 15 I'll be happy and I'll right. look a lot different so that's the goal yeah Cool. And it's interesting that, you know, you, t- you talk about how you, you, you're you taking your circumstance and using it and reframing. And I think that's really, really important. And this is one of the, chal- the challenges. This is one of the issues I have with a lot of the information that's out there about what you should be doing. <laughs> you know, you should do this, should do that, follow this diet, follow that. Follow that. And, and you know, I'm, and I've been part party to that as somebody on the receiving end over the years, as have a lot of people have, you know, friends, family, et cetera. <sighs> but when you dig in, it keeps coming back to there are some basics but it is about what works for you and how do you make things it work for you so you talk about weighing I think that's such an important an example you know there are some who would say you need to weigh yourself every day there's some who say every week some would say never put the scales out of sight you know go by feel whatever and and I think again there is no one rule to fit them all. It's what works for you. So you're you're you've rationalised around it in your head about how this works, and that's what makes sense. And it's not just and I don't mean rationalised as in you know you distorted something. You've actually just made it so that it makes sense and it works for you. And I think that's the journey that if we can go on in each of our journeys, whether you decide to follow this one or that plan or do this kind of eating or that whatever, if it works for you in your life taking into account the, the challenges, the positives and all that, then then we, we, we've got something you can work with type of thing. So I love that idea of, of you've given yourself that 12-week period. And I, I remember listening to one podcast when you were talking about the, the journey and your initial thinking that you had the reason that you also not wanted to do the weigh-ins before that. Do you want to, do you want to explain that? Because you, you've explained it better than I can, but that, that was something that resonated with me as well. Yeah, it was it was basically it was self-awareness. Um it was it was knowing that, like, for example, if I could just click my fingers and lose 50 pounds, right, which is 
long way to lose. And I'd look very, you know, I'd look different and eventually I'll, I'll do that. But I would have stepped on the scales and still been sad because of what was looking back, even with, fit, even with like 25, 30 kilos off. I mean, it's ridiculous. But until I get to my target, I know it, like, I'm just not, not interested. And I think as well, when, when you're bigger, you have you, you generally just have bad experiences when you get on them. So you have that fear and you have that worry. Even when, you get, even when I used to get on the scales and get a result that I wasn't too bad about, I still didn't enjoy it. So it's kind of, I just decided that, at the size I am, and this only applies to me because I'm a big unit, and if I lose the weight that I'm going to lose, believe me, I'll be able to see it. So if, if you're trying to lose, and I'll put this caveat out there, if you're trying to lose seven pounds, ten pounds a stone, then you won't necessarily see that in terms of being able to know that you might need to just have those checks. But the way that I check is through my sugar readings. So I am checking, just right. I'm doing it. I'm checking something else because I don't think it'd be right for me to say, oh, you should never weigh yourself. Yeah. It's not important because for some people, they would use that as an excuse to just carry on the way they're carrying on, yeah. um, which I'm clearly not doing. So the change has been made. I'm just, I find that there's no, there's no reason that I can look at on that scale that's going to make me more motivated to eat well the next meal. For example, if I, if I, I did, a, for example, did a really tough two weeks where you know, but to be fair, every every time I'm eating is I'm not having what I want because <laughs> I just I'm a, I admit that I love my food and I love bad food. Like I love Big Macs, you know, I have one just about any time. So I'm kind of like, if I got on the scales after like two really hard weeks, it's like, oh, you've lost two pounds. I'd be like, two pounds after all that effort. Oh, sorry, I'm an apple. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I am avoiding that by almost kidding myself in a way. The, the, the challenge for me, and the nurse knows this and will talk to me about it, try and coach me. don't know if it'll work, but when I go in, I'll have a number in my head that I think I've lost, and I won't have lost that much. And it's when I come out, I know that I'm going to feel like, what's the point of this? Mm. You know, it's just not going quick enough like I'm sick. But I'm hoping that what will also be there is me saying, you expected this, just got to do another 12-week cycle and see where you get to. Mm. And, and just just keep losing it gradually because it is a, it's a long game. I mean, if people worry about weight, and I've got friends who do this, and they, they sort of say they ring me up and they go, "Wow, that's ten pounds this week." Oh, nice one, mate. Don't think I don't know if I believe them because that's a lot. And then like they look exactly the same, so you know they haven't. But then if if they're thinking that, then they're not making changes because they just want to get to the goal. You you want to get to the goal, but you want to stay there. So you have to just accept that it's a whatever you're doing is a permanent change. So for me, the challenge is finding something I can keep to that I'm not going to hate because I won't keep to it. Simple as that. If I hate it, so I just want to find something I can stick at rather than you know crashing and then returning to normal. Because if I do that, I'm going to end up back where I was and all the problems that brings with it. So much there, and I guess the first thing is to reiterate what what you you said as well is what we're not saying is chuck those scales away or don't weigh yourself. The key message here is know thyself, um, and if you don't have that level of awareness from past experience that perhaps you are bringing into it, um, what my approach would be say let's run some experiments, let's just test what works for you. You know, what do you think, and try it, and let's see that. You know, so um, and and take take the sort of judgmental head off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the absolutism of it, and let's just see. And then, as you say, take take off the deadline because often what I find with deadlines, particularly for this in this particular area, is that leads you to it leads you to shaping your decisions and your choices and your interpretation of results 
in a completely different way. You know, if, you, if you've got 12 weeks and that is the deadline or two weeks and that is the deadline or whatever, it, it, it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Whereas if you give yourself that, lo- that longer term with some check-ins, don't get us wrong, but that longer term, you have a, you can adopt a more a longer term view to how you approach it, which is where you said something there about the, I'm looking for something that just, I, I can't remember the word you said, but you can stick with that works for you and you can stick with. And I think, that is the real. That's the that's the sweet spot. If we can find that, what works for you, and then there's a bit of trial and error there, past experience and whatever. So I think that's that's the key message that I do want to sort of make sure everybody gets. And I think um, your your example is a brilliant example of that. You know, that using that self awareness and that past experience to know what works and know how it's going to be. Yeah, and I think as well, what I would also say is that what I didn't do as well is start off like a an absolute train in terms of cutting down to what I'll probably eventually get to. I've mm. done it in stages now. Again, the danger there is that you use that as an excuse to carry on eating by and large what you ate before, which you can't do. But so you've got to be honest with yourself about making genuine changes, not just perceptive, like, oh, you know, like I'm doing it in stages. I've dropped like half a chocolate bar and I'll do the other 12 next week. You know, it's kind of, you've got to kind of be authentic about it. But um, I know, for example, that in it, and I'm looking at it very carefully in terms of particular meals, I know breakfast I can get down a little bit uh, but I'm just you know and I'll have to increase exercise because at the moment I haven't really done much of that but I, I, I know that the last time I lost I think it was three stone in the end from where I started from um, which would be about five stone from where I started from this time um, I know that I did that without really any exercise at all um, so I know that I can get down there but I know that you know it's for fitness it's good to be more healthy cardiovascularly which is what I want um, I've never in my life done like a 5k or anything and that would be quite cool to have a go at it it's getting around that kind of mental thing of kind of doing it at my age of course I can but you know you, the body has amazing excuses I think what I would kind of say as well Dave is, is the, the, the the key thing that you have to the people and you mentioned about weight loss is that the key problem is that well, why does somebody, and I've got a friend, she looks amazing, she values how she looks, she goes to the gym, everyone always, she's one of these head turners, walks down the street and everyone notices her. She gains two pounds, she's adjusting the week after and losing those back and will be in the right state until she does it. Whereas someone like me gained probably six or seven stone too much and didn't care. That's the problem. And it's if we could find a way of dealing with that mindset, like you say, it's not about the food. The food's the, the final stage of some yeah. bad decisions. It's about what gets your head in the right place. So whatever you need to do, you know, so I, you know, if someone said to me, you have to weigh yourself every day, and if that was the only way to lose weight, I would do it, but I'd hate it. I would be miserable. Now, that wouldn't necessarily motivate me. It would probably just upset me to the point where when I'm upset, I want to eat. Hmm. Even now, like if I had a real bad setback or work said, oh, by the way, you know, if we hate what you did and you're getting disciplined for terrible work, uh, you know, yeah, I'd be upset about it, but I definitely, when it came to tea time, I'd be thinking, I deserve something nice here. So it's kind of knowing yourself and being able to sort of block the sort of default thinking that can lead to got you where you are in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And that that knowing that there's um, there's a couple of things that you, you've kind of brought to mind just that I'll chuck in. And then I, w- I want to talk about the way in that, you know, the feelings that you might have at that point. Um, I mentioned to you, and I've mentioned on this in an earlier podcast, um, Ethan Suplee, the American actor and his uh, American Glutton podcast and his his talking through some massive weight loss um, and his his journey and really humble and what have you. And one of the things that he did in answer to the listener's question is he talked about the goal is not 
to lose a number of X number of pounds or weight or whatever. The goal is the routine. Mm. And that was something that really struck me, but it's, it, it certainly ties in with my thoughts around the sprout sweating, you know, let's just concentrate on sweating the sprouts day by day, the habits, the routines, rituals, and park the goal. You can check in on the goal when you need to, but let's focus on that. Because if you can develop that routine that's sustainable, the goal is to get a sustainable routine. And I love that idea of trying to reframe it a little bit, you know, around that. So I don't know what your thoughts on that, but I think that's kind of, that's what I felt from your your comments about trying to find something that works for me. Yeah, and what I did was I came up with like, a, if I was good on Photoshop, I could do this as a graphic and it would probably be illustrating, but hopefully people understand what I say. I've got like a traffic light system in my head, which is like based on a, on a clock face. Whereas when I eat, it's green. So I'm just eating, I'm happy. Gradually goes amber at about two or three hours after I eat and then red in the hour before because that's when I'm really fancying my food, whatever time it is. I know I'm getting to like four o'clock. I'll be well aware uh, in an hour's time that it's about an hour before I've made my tea and I'm ready. You know, I'm ready now. You know, I can't go and have something straight away. So it's like understanding when you're like really thinking in detail about everything and understanding. Like I know, for example, that from 11 a.m., I'm going to be, I really want something. And if you came in with a big baguette, I'd be very grateful. But I also know that it's only an hour. So mm. just hang it out. Just that's where your maximum effort goes. Because if, if people are really honest as well, it's, it's, I found this quite uh, hopeful in terms of it made me feel better. Was even when I was at my worst in terms of eating free for all, didn't really eat for two hours after I, I, I ate a meal. Never really ate within two hours of that, ever. Mm. Now, that means that if you're four hours away from eating when you eat the next meal then I was having two hours for free I don't have to worry about them so I was yeah. like well, actually I'm halfway there already I've just got to make sure that I eat slightly better and then last the other two hours out so that was kind of trying to, to almost trick your brain into doing it somehow you've just got to get through it somehow yeah. um, and whatever you need to do do it because you know as long as you're doing it as long as you've been honest about actually doing it authentically and you, you're not kidding yourself you know or you're not going to have this you know, one of the things I find is when when you are cutting down, is every so often your body will have like a really like hardcore sugar craving. And I had it the other day and I, it was just, I, I walked through Morrison's and I went, but other supermarkets are available. But I went through Morrison's and I walked past it. You know when you get the, the sweet cups and you can just fill your own? Yeah. For some reason, the fudge and chocolate Brazils and the chocolate raisins, I could have had about, you know, a bucket full of them. And I just, for the rest of the day, just thought, I've just got to have some of them. And I, I was craving them, and I and I didn't, and I just realised it's because my body just hadn't had any for ages, and it just it just really wanted something. So you've kind of got to. I didn't get them in the end, but you've got to treat yourself, but in moderation, because mm. your body will eventually say, you know, I want that boost, mm. and then that's hard because I, I literally I could have broken some records that day if I. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that elastic band effect, but yeah, obviously you managed it well. And, and if, you know, you've developed a set of, I love that visual actually about, you know, I got me two hours for free and then, and I think this is what, you know, if we can each sort of develop the things that work for us and visuals, metaphors and little things like, well, you can have it, but not till, or, so, you know, whatever those little rules and policies we develop for ourselves, that can be powerful, but they've got to be ours. And I think that's the key thing. So I think that's that's a big message, and I, and I, I love all of that. The, the, the one thing that I, um, that I wanted to just kind of touch on was, you know, you talked about the weigh-in and that perhaps, you know, that the, the, there'll be potentially you're kind of almost preparing yourself for not receiving the the message that you want to receive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's an interesting um, perspective. And I think there's a, 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 I don't know if it's a phrase or a, a, an area of, in positive, in psychology or positive psychology possibly called, called defensive pessimism. I don't know if you've come across this, but this is something that's often used by, well, by lots of people. We all probably all use it without recognizing it, or many of us do, but it was athletes can often, some athletes prepare themselves for um, that, that, not you know the the race time. The, the let, let's say they're doing a race tomorrow. They're nervous and what have you. The, the pressure's building off, and some will adopt this defensive pessimism as an approach where they'll say, "Okay, done everything I can. I'll do the best I can. You know, it's out of my hands now if I win or lose. And if I lose, fair enough. You know, and we kind of talk prepare ourselves. Now that's not negative thinking. That's not defeatist because these are top performing successful athletes. It is a way of them managing their mind." That works for them and it's not going to work for somebody else who might be more on the you know extreme optimism scale etc but that to me sounds like a very pragmatic approach so anything i know you sort of talking you talked a little bit about you ready you're readying yourself for it how how are you just in case you know in that in that defensive pessimism state is there any thoughts on that yeah i think like i said unless i walked in and got the reading that I want, which is many stones less than what I actually am or will be in the day. Yeah. I won't be happy. Mm-hmm. So I know that. And even, you know, them saying, oh, how are you lost like two stone? I'm still going to be like, well, that's where I started. You know? So it's kind of being honest with myself about that. And even though I, I have both an appreciation that I should be happy and I probably will be deep down, but then there's the kind of the frustration that I just, would rather not be bothered with any of this and be exactly where I want to be. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of just aware that it's not gonna it's it's not gonna be exactly what I want because I'm quite greedy and I want to be exactly where I want to finish. I want to, you know, be great if I said, oh, you die for two days and you can beat your target weight. I'll be like, champion, that's that sounds good to me. Um so I think it's just being being aware of what your likely reaction is. I sit down and think, you know, Maybe people could visualize, you know, what the number would be and how they'd feel about it. May well be that for most people, you know, I've got a friend who, no matter, he's, he's a very big lad. He lost two pounds. He was over the moon, and, and I, I kind of envied him because I thought, I wish I could be like that. But I know that my reaction would be, he's he's many, he's, he's a lot heavier now than what I started from, and he's still lost two stone. He's very happy about it because he's just on his way. So I think I, I try and. I try and find the positives in terms of, you know, I'm not going to go in there expecting to be miserable, but I'm conscious that deep in there somewhere will be a frustration that I'm yeah. in that situation that I've done this myself and that I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. And that I want to, I want to not finish, but I want to reach my target mm-hmm. because I know how that'll feel in terms of, but again, again, the one thing I've never experienced is reaching it. So that'll probably be the weirdest thing if I ever do get down there as to what, what on earth do I do then? You know, the first thought will probably be to treat myself, which I can't do. So, um, and I, the, the mistake I made when I lost it the first time, I think that's also a process people have to go through in terms of how you handle success in weight loss as well. Because what I started to do mm. was think, I'm a weight loss machine. I'm always going to lose it. I've lost three stone. And what, what used to happen was I'd have the odd treat once a week and I still lost. I thought, oh, I've got this lick now. This is... This is just, I've got this sorted. I'm, I'm just there, and then gradually plateaued. I thought, well, I've had a couple of treats and I didn't gain anything, so I'm crap on next week. And then I started to gain a little bit. I thought, oh, well, I've really got a bit crap because this week, but I've only gained a little bit. And then the habits just slowly but surely have gone. Yeah. And and I and I look back now and think, how did that happen? You 
But how did I let it go so bad to get back to where I was? Um, I don't quite know as I sit here now how it happened, but that's because I'm doing it right now. Um, it is very easy to go back, and I, I don't want to. And as I sit here now, I can't see a scenario where I would, but I know I, I know it's possible because I've done it. So it's that I've got that experience of failing as well. From a position of, of where I was a lot further forward, I mean, I it got the point where I was walking into like um, the council and people going, "Wow, like what's happened? You've totally changed," and and that felt nice. I, I never really liked it though because what happened was after a while the the comments would go from, "Oh, you've lost weight," to, "How's your diet going?" So then I knew I was gaining it. <laughs> nice. I never like comments in general, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just anything you can do to stick at it. That's, that's probably the message I'll leave people with. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, I, of course, I'll probably have to wrap up for time here, but I thank you for your time. But I think it's interesting as well about you mentioned about what after. And I think that's something that, you know, not necessarily be preoccupied with now, but to give some thought to because there w- there is a time when you start to shift your sense of who you are. I mean, this is with any change. It doesn't have to be, you know, it could be a financial change or, or anything, but you shift your sense of who you are. And one of the things I found, one of my um, former clients, uh, Elaine, who's, who um, is featuring on, has featured on the podcast at the time that this airs, um, it, she treated the weight loss as the starting point mm-hmm. of new adventures, effectively, you know, that the, the new goals and the what I could do, you know, that you talked about 5K and things like that. And I think it's starting to reframe that or see that there is there is more after that. And, and you're right, um, who you are now, you need to be who you need to be, but then there'll be transitional identities as well as you go through that. Um, yeah. So yeah. One of well, the things, Dave, that, that I never do and I should do, and I've never done it, is visualise myself at my target weight right never done it and I think people don't like if you said to me I, I can't imagine I can't like it's almost like you have to try to imagine yourself in your mind's eye looking down and seeing yourself exactly or looking or looking in the mirror in your mind's eye and seeing what you want to see back mm. you know the slim version of you the slimmest version of you that you want to be mm. and for some reason I've never done it and I don't know why and I think, I don't know how many of people could really ask that question to themselves. How often do you sit down and really imagine yourself looking good in the clothes you want to look good in, you know, being lean, being everything we want to be. And it's something I'm going to try and do in the weeks coming forward of just taking time to actually imagine myself there, whatever that means, I'm doing, doing the air quotes there, um, and just try and imagine yourself as your version of perfect. Yeah. And, and and I think that's important because you've got to be able to see it to really believe it in your, mm-hmm. in your head. And whilst I'm doing it, I do wonder whether there's a point where I think, yeah, I'm doing well, but am I really going to be able to do it? Yeah. And I think unless I unless I push my ambition by seeing it, I'll get to a point and stop. So mm-hmm. I want to go further than because at the moment I I'm aware that if people listen to this fact, they'll hear me say, you know, I'll get as far as I can get, but there's a limit to what I can achieve in terms of how much I can cut on my diet. And there is a limit, but I can also do running and I can exercise and I've got a bike and I can start using it more and stuff like that. But I, I think that that's where, particularly as you get lighter, you've got to work a little bit harder and lose it because it's harder. When you're big, it's mm-hmm. it's easier in some ways because it comes off very easily. You've just got to do it kind of right. And, it's, and it works, but then you've really got to push to get, you know, if you want, especially if you're going for like a super athletic physique, that takes work. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, and I think this is partly uh, the visualization. I'll I'll say it's a little bit on, but I, I think it's also about recognizing what's what's a job for for present mal versus a job for future mal. Because you're right, you know, it may be too much of a stretch to believe a particular thing now, but future mal may be in a different place and see the things differently, and just have that little bit of something else, or even a completely different idea of what they want. You know, future mal will be in a different place, literally. Um, and I think, so that's that's worth, think, like, sort of just kind of, sometimes it's worth just pushing it off, delegating it to future miles, some of those things. Um, making future miles life a bit easier by doing what you're doing. But, yeah, I like that idea. But the thing about visualisation is there's a lot said about that. And I think it's, it's something that's often overplayed as a very simple solution or a way to achieve your goals. And for many people, my this is anecdotal experience, personal experience, anecdotal, and from reading around it is it's not for everybody or it's not for everybody in the way that it's described. You can visualize and picture yourself. Now, I've never been able to do that. And I think there are other ways you can kind of just imagine what it would be like if or just have the feeling of. It's difficult to actually articulate without seeing the image, but or just almost a... Uh, and imagine without an image, if, if you're not a visual person or something, um, or even visualize or, or sort of imagine the next step. It doesn't have to be the, the end one, because if it's generating goal um, emotions or senses of disbelief, disheartened, feeling, well, what's the point? It's so far away. You've got to be careful with those feelings, haven't you? <laughs> because yeah, I think that, well, I was just thrown out there, I guess, was that I found it strange that I hadn't. Yeah. I guess it depends on the person and maybe that's just because it's not my sort of natural state of thinking. Um, but I just found it weird that yeah, it, it maybe I felt like if I hadn't done it, it was because I maybe didn't ever think it would actually happen. So it's kind of maybe trying to just, even just once being able to sit down and run it through my brain and see how it's yeah. going Oh, absolutely. I think the, this, it's like the run the experiment, see, see whether it is something that could be a tool in the kit for you. Because for those for whom it works, it is. It seems to be very powerful. You know, in in the sports, in sports, people use it. Certain sports people use it a lot, um, and in lots of ways, a lot of people claim that it's been really useful. Now, I'm not doubting that. I suppose my issue is that it. We suddenly tag on this. Well, we should all do it, or you should do it again. It comes back to you. So run the experiment. See, I'd be be interested to know what your what your thoughts are and how it how it plays into the mix of things you're doing. You know, as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, I, this has been a great conversation, Mal. I don't know about you, but I, I'd love to check in um, again if, if you're up for it on on podcast because we, we've talked about um, talked about a lot and probably focused in on that. But I, I, I think there's probably a lot would be interested on the ongoing journey, not to add pressure, but just to see because I think being real about the ups and downs and setbacks and and and, and progress is a that's the importance of these kinds of conversations. You know? Yeah, and it's a never-ending thing because, you know, the reality for me is that, you know, medically, either, either I do it or I, I bear the consequences of it, you know. So it's kind of, even if I even if I just got to the sugar control part and ended up plateauing on the diet, the doctors would be wanting me to lose it, but they'd be happy with that bit being done. So yeah. it's not, I couldn't afford to regress to where I was. So there'll always be an element of, of effort and progress in terms of keeping it going um, and obviously, I want to push push forward into getting fitter and, and experiencing some stuff. Um, and just one final thing I'll just say was one time. It's weird how your body works sometimes. Is I've never been able to to run. I've always been very like unfit. And um, 
I started going to the gym a while back. That's something I'd be adding in. I was going to the, I did go to the gym, but did mostly weights, mm-hmm. um, quite light weights, but just did them for like the sort of almost the flexibility bits of fitness, those types of elements. And I haven't gone back yet, but I do plan on, on going back. Maybe after the first September check-in, I'll start adding that back in. Again, like you said, it's adding in uh, progressively. I think you're on, you're on a, a journey in it, and um, you know, I'm, if anything, I can do to support you then great um and thank you for sharing those things um and also you you know your midlife experience because i think many there's many things that people can relate to um even if in different circumstances that midlife point um although it's not a specific age it's certainly something that many of us get to where we think oh you know i need to rejig or recalibrate life here you know and get get things back on my terms more than they are so I think that's something that's very, very relatable. So thank you for sharing those things. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think it's all about trying not, it shouldn't feel like, like a you know, massive, massive effort because mm. if it does, you're probably going to struggle to stick to it. Yeah, I think that's a great part and thought because that is the essence of, of I guess, my thinking around it, the sprout sweater approach is find ways that are lower friction that you can sustain because... You know, you've got to get on and enjoy life as well. But also these things, if they're important enough, then we need to stick at them. So, yeah. So, great, Mal. So, thank you. What, what I will do, just um, I will put in show notes links to podcast if, you, you know, if you're open to one or two more listeners. I'm not saying I've got a massive audience, but uh, there may be one or two who want to check that out. Probably have a big impact on my listeners. I'll, I'll definitely notice it in my, my stats. <laughs> big shout out to the Anchor app. People should check it out. It's very easy to set your own up. Right. Oh, yeah, the anchor app for podcasting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, So anyway, so so thank you. Yeah, so is there um, any questions that anybody has? um, They can feed through me, Dave, at restlessmiddlelifer.com or, um, you know, I don't know if you've got a particular email that you want to direct anybody to or if you'd rather fill it through me, that's fine. But uh, I'm sure you'd be great, Dave. I haven't got a a podcast email or anything. It's just there to be listened to and enjoyed. If people enjoy just taking a moment out and thinking about something. Yeah. The whole point of what I do is to offer something out that I get my views on, but I would love it if people thought about their take on it as well. Um, at some point, I should find a way of getting an email set up where people can contact me. But if it sparks, it provokes some thought, that's that's the point. Great. And it's called Let's Take a Moment. Just for- Let's Take a Moment. Yeah, for how you did to Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, it should come up. But use my name as well because I'm not the only person who thought of that name. <laughs> yeah yeah cool well thank you for your time mal it's been brilliant and uh good to catch up and uh as i said listeners are everything will be in the show notes and david restlessmidlife.com for any questions feedback questions for mal if, if you do have any um and we may hopefully see mal uh on a little catch up at some point in the future so thanks very much take care everybody Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.